Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all of its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm your co-host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. And today our topic is our wealth of spiritual resources. I'm so delighted to be joined again today by the Yoga Hour founder and host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a Kriya Yoga Meditation Center with headquarters in San Jose, California. The title Yogacharya means esteemed teacher of yoga. She was ordained by Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, and Yogacharya O'Brien has been teaching Kriya Yoga philosophy and practice nationally and internationally for over three decades. We're focusing our current conversation and actually the series of conversations on her new book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. And hooray, the book is now available on Amazon.com or you can purchase it via her website, ellengraceobrien.com with O'Brien with an A, O-B-R-I-A-N.com. You can find out more about Yogacharya's writings and teaching schedule at that website, ellengraceobrien.com, and also at the CSE website, csecenter.org. Welcome, Yogacharya O'Brien or Umaji. I'm delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo. It's a pleasure to be here and to have this conversation with you and the Yoga Hour listeners. So before we dive into our dialogue about our wealth of spiritual resources, let's dive into a moment of practicing what we were about what we are about to discuss a moment of meditation a yoga moment oh so let's begin right where we are and just feel our bodies in space Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, your body is supported, whether you are sitting, walking. So just feel your body, feel the places where it's being supported by the floor, by a chair, and then begin to draw attention to your breath. And notice as you take an inhale and an exhale. Just noticing the natural rhythm of your breathing 
as you inhale and exhale. Not trying to change the breath, but just noticing its natural flow. Feeling the cool air entering the nostrils on the inhale. And feeling the warm air flowing out. And as we follow our breath, with each inhale, let's imagine we can dive within. And with each exhale, relax. In this moment, as we dive within, we can open our heart to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is, of you, of me, of everyone and everything. Right where we are, right here and now, it's within us, between us and all around us. Just by being present and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We can feel the peace that emanates from this core of our being. We may notice thoughts or feelings as they arise. We realize we can watch them. Watch them as they arise and watch as they pass away. Resting in this essence of our being. Allowing that peace to pervade the physical body the mental field and the emotional nature. As we bring this yoga moment to a close, we realize we can take this peace with us into our day. We realize it's a portable peace, as Yogananda described it. So let's do that. Let's take it in to the rest of our day and share it with all we meet. So once again, Umaji, I'm so delighted to join you again for this third in our series of programs focusing on the spiritual principle of Arta, prosperity. I'm finding your new book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga, to be very inspiring. And I feel that the view of prosperity that you present will be life-changing for many. Um, I was uh, just really appreciating the actual physical book, uh, which is now available with its uh, beautiful cover. And there's a quote by Deepak uh, Chopra 
who wrote a lovely review of the book, so I'll just quote that. This jewel of a book will show you how to tap in to your inner intelligence, the ultimate and supreme genius that mirrors the wisdom of the cosmos. Cultivate wealth consciousness and affluence and prosperity will effortlessly flow toward you in all their manifestations. So again, the book is available through amazon.com or through the ellengraceobrien.site. Uh, .com site. Uh, and uh, this conversation, as I mentioned, is the third in our series, and listeners can access the first two conversations about Arta in our archive at unity.fm forward slash the yoga hour. And the programs are from earlier this month, November 1st and 8th. So our first conversation was called The Prosperity Imperative, Learn to Thrive and Serve. And we discussed the prosperity imperative, the divine idea that we thrive and prosper in order to fulfill our life purpose or our dharma. As a brief review, can you explain a bit about this idea of dharmic prosperity and contrast that with the material prosperity, which perhaps people are more familiar with? Mm. Um, so. First, I want to say that there actually isn't um, a difference between material prosperity and dharmic prosperity. And really in the book, I am trying to um, heal that split, <laughs> which generally, you know, we uh, on a spiritual path, we have been given information that somehow, you know, money is the root of all evil and um, you the, the problem is desire and, you know, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of messages like that, which you can find in all traditions, um, but you also find an opposite message, which is that you should uh, give of resources. So if, you know, that's a big question. If you can't gather resources, how can you give them? And um, so we get these mixed messages and people are quite confused, um, but it's really quite simple. This dharmic prosperity is material prosperity, if you will, or prosperity in all areas of your life that is geared toward higher purpose. So it's not material wealth for its own sake. So if there's any difference, it would be that, you know, if you think of material wealth, um, just to, um, you know, serve yourself or your immediate circle, um, then that would not be considered dharmic prosperity. Dharmic prosperity is that which serves a higher purpose and that by its very definition serves the well-being of all. No, that's great. Thanks for that review. And, and I really love that uh, distinction, you know, that they really aren't different. So thank you. Um, then our second conversation in this series is about true wealth and how our ability to thrive is connected to our spiritual awakening. So again, as a brief review, can you remind us about this? How is our true wealth connected to our spiritual awakening? Well, as we uh, engage in study and practice uh, on our spiritual path and particularly the path of yoga um, and Kriya Yoga as uh, has been my path for many decades. We, we come to understand that, that life is an emanation of the infinite unbounded a source, uh, absolute reality. And that uh, source is 
within each of us. So we have this infinite potential at the essential nature of our being or the soul level of our being. And our, our true wealth is, is knowing that and learning how to um, be aware of, access, and um, in a sense develop our, our inner resources. So we're living a life, you know, in harmony with uh, the infinite. So true wealth, we could say, is soul wealth that um, then shows up as, um, as Paramahansa Yogananda defined prosperity. It's not necessarily having what we want all the time because <laughs> that can be a problem. <laughs> you know, if we really look at it, we can say, oh, you know, gee, I wanted that, but it turned out not to be such a great idea. So he said, <laughs> you know, prosperity is not always having what we want when we want it but it is having what we need when it is needed Mm -hmm. so you know that that is a beautiful way to express being um uh, being in the prosperous flow of life um living you know moment to grace-filled moment day to grace-filled day um knowing that you know what you need is provided along the way um, as you consciously cooperate with it. So there's a lot, you know, in the book about, you know, this this spiritual path of prosperity is not just saying, wow, you know, God is infinite, God is great, ultimate reality is unbounded, and, uh, you know, I am that, so all I have to do is just um, be receptive to that. Uh, no, it's not just being receptive to it. It is actually participating in it. Mm. And there are quite a few steps that we take, you know, in order to do that. Mm. Wow, that's <clears throat> uh, so, so well put. So um, the subtitle of your book is Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. And obviously here on the Yoga Hour, the teachings of yoga are foundational, as well as foundational to this discussion of prosperity. So Let's just take a couple of moments on to explore that. I, I really like this quote in the book where you write, yoga is both the goal and the way. It is the destination as well as the journey. All the way to oneness is oneness. All the way to now is now. All the way to lasting fulfillment is fulfillment. The bringing forth our divine potential is to realize it here and now. It exists now. So this to me just said so much about, you know, first of all, the, you know, the primacy of now, but also I love this idea of yoga as both the goal and the way. So can you talk a little bit more about that? What is, well, we talk a lot about yoga on the show, but why is it important to understand yoga in the um, in our study of prosperity, <clears throat> yoga. If we if we look at you know classical definition, you know into English, you know we we know that there's not one word in the English language that can define yoga. That's why we have so many. You know, union, binding back. Um, oneness, uh, so on and so forth. Um, Those terms um, don't fully describe yoga as the conscious awareness of that which we are. So we say it's a binding back, but that's really um, 
our ability to bring our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in the truth of our being. So if we say, you know, yoga is union, it, it, it really implies that there are separate things that all of a sudden become one. Uh, so, but that is not the case. It, it's simply awareness of that, which is already so, mm-hmm. so, um, it, it is that goal, you know, to awaken and, uh, it is the way which refers to, of course, our, our sadhana, um, which also that word is, has an interesting meaning. Literally, it means to go straight to the goal. So, in other words, you know, yoga is what it is in this moment, the truth of your being. So while we can talk about a path, we can talk about a practice, and we can talk about a way of returning to the self, the truth is we have never uh, left the self and there's no other place to go. So um, it's a beautiful uh thing to contemplate this true nature of yoga is um simply being awake you know to that which we are Mm, that's that's really lovely so um one of the other things that i that i was pointing to in in the quote that i read was about this idea of now and in your book you talk about the beginning of the yoga sutras of patanjali the foundational scripture of yoga and the first sutra is now the ancient way of yoga begins. Again, that word now. Now the ancient way of yoga begins. And you talk about this in the book. So what is the importance of this first sutra, which seems so simple? Now the ancient way of yoga begins. Mm, yeah, it is a beautiful sutra. And uh, I think there is... Um potentially for a new student. And if you're not studying with a teacher, you're just reading that, you know, there might be um, a temptation to just skip over that. Like it's an introductory uh, thing, like, okay, now we're going to get started. Right. (laughs) But it it actually indicates this now, this word, Sanskrit word, atta, uh, indicates an auspiciousness. And this is a common sutra that you find in in classical uh, commentaries, um, classical commentaries in Sanskrit on yoga practice or philosophy. And uh, so it indicates a quality of auspiciousness, meaning um, this is the moment um, to awaken, if you could think of it that way. You know, and I often say when you, when you start uh, your study and you see that word, it's like a bell ringing uh, in your heart, in the temple of the soul, you know, you are entering um, this field of ultimate uh, knowledge and realization. And everything in your life has, has brought you to this precious moment. So it's a way of a bell ringing, you know, to tell us, you know, this is not like reading, you know, Facebook. It's it's not like reading a magazine. Um, it's not like hearing um, even a podcast as, <laughs> as nice as this one. It's, it's, it's a moment when it is possible um, to completely awaken to the truth of your being. So it's, it's like says, you know, pay attention and also to understand that everything in your life has brought you to this moment. 
And the other, you know, deep meaning of it is that the what we are looking for um, is only now. It, it cannot be in the past. It cannot be in the future because those are only constructs in the mind. And what we are looking for is spiritual realization, which is beyond mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you give an example in the book about the seed and the tree on page 57. So um, I, I just really appreciated this because it speaks to this this um, idea or this primacy of now. So how does this analogy illuminate our divine potential? Oh, that, yeah. This is um, from chapter five, bringing forth your divine potential. And I just, oh, thanks for giving the page number. I just opened to it. So let me read what it says. It says, um, it is natural to think that bringing forth our potential is something that will occur in the future after we have done whatever is required. Almost by definition, the phrase bringing forth implies starting in one place and expressing oneself more fully over time, like a seed that opens and becomes a tree. There's a before and an after, a now and a then. The seed, first all potential, only later becomes seedling, sapling, branch, bud, flower, and fruit. Many things happen to support that little seed's expression of its full potential over the seasons of time. Yet that tree in its fullness exists within the seed from the beginning. Otherwise, it could not come into manifestation as it does. Not only is the tree contained in the seed, but the seed is contained in the tree. Yoga, from the outset, directs us to recognize that all we are to become in our fullness exists now in the now moment. Mm. And I just love that. And I was talking about this last time too. You know, you are a poet and I just find these poetic, you know, references in your writing to just be so meaningful. I mean, to me, that, that just really spoke to me that the seed contains the tree and the moment is now. I, mm. I just I just love that. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, when I was um, writing the book, um, for me, much of that material that came forth like that was actually experiential. And so to the best of my ability, I'm sharing my consciousness, you know, with the reader and, um, that that can be a wonderful thing. So I'm glad you're experiencing that. Mm-hmm. So um, you talk in the book about how the birth of your daughter broke open your heart and led you on a path of action to where you are now as a spiritual teacher and leader for the work of nonviolence. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about that and um, how does your how did that experience of you know the birth of your daughter how did that tie into this topic of prosperity well i think we all have um moments in life you know that are profound openings and sometimes there are uh, times like that you know a birth uh in our life uh or a death um, a divorce, you know, a big change, you know, so there are moments uh, where things are just not as we 
thought they were, you know, or they changed very profoundly. And the birth of my daughter was like that. You know, I was very young and um, I did not have a particular spiritual path at that time. But when she was born, of course, that was a profound experience. <laughs> and um, I just remember, you know, holding her. She, and she was very small when she was born, <clears throat> just a little over five pounds. And so here was this tiny little, beautiful little girl and um, I remember the feeling that I think many new parents have, which is just awe, you know, of how am I going to care for this little life? I have no idea. I've never been a parent before. <laughs> and when I, when I looked at her, I thought, you know, how fortunate I was to be a mother and how fortunate I was that I lived in a time and in a culture that I had resources. I mean, I, I, I was a student at the time. I wasn't rich by any means, but I knew that, you know, I had what I needed to feed her. And, you know, we had a pediatrician. If I was, you know, if she became sick, I could take her to the doctor. And as I held her and, and looked at her, I, all of a sudden I had this feeling of, you know, knowing that I would do everything I I could to care for her and my my heart just kind of exploded with this awareness of mothers everywhere having that feeling as they held their child and I thought about mothers who had that same core um, inclination to support this new life and with the sense that there are mothers in many parts of the world, even within the U.S. itself, who know that they do not have what they need to care for that child. They don't have um, food. They don't have medical resources. And that just, um, in a sense, broke my heart out of my little shell of feeling like I lived in my own little world. And all of a sudden I was transported to, you know, somehow feeling this affinity with children and mothers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, as you said, that, you know, that is something that um, that connection, our connection to the larger oneness um, is not an uncommon experience. I mean, I think most people have had something, you know, may, maybe not the birth of a child, but something that they feel that connection uh, to wholeness. <clears throat> and with that, we've come to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with host and founder of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien. Today, we're discussing her new book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga, which is available on Amazon.com, or from her website, ellengraceobryan.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the Yoga Hour. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about how we can thrive, even through times of adversity and despair. We'll be right back. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder, speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts, on living an abundant life. Examine your life, whatever you may think is missing or lacking or you wish you had. Realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you've brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we gotta get in through our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer or call 816-969-2000. Take time out for you and join other like-minded souls looking to build their connection to spirit with the Unity at Sea Cruise in 2019. Experience a spiritual retreat at sea as you participate in a special program designed to help you on your individual journey of self-discovery. Deepen and explore your spiritual growth with Unity ministers and presenters as you enjoy exotic Caribbean ports of call. For all the details, go to unity.org slash unity at sea now to make a deposit by January 30th and save $100. Tune into Everyday Attraction with Ray Zander every Friday at 12 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. Take a deep dive into the teachings of Abraham and discover how to make the law of attraction work for you in your life. Each week, Ray goes into the heart of understanding the power of our emotions and how to become conscious co-creators. Learn how to release resistant thoughts and live life to the fullest. Find out more at everydayattraction.com. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show. And I'm here today with the founder and director of The Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, to discuss her new book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. And before I go on further, I did want to mention that um, on Thursday, December 6th, in the evening, Yogacharya O'Brien will be in Corte Madera, California, 
at Book Passages, a bookstore there, and she'll be doing a reading and a discussion of the book. So if you're in the area, you might want to check that out. Um, so Yogacharya, it, it's a tumultuous time in our world. Many people are dealing with adversity in their lives. Um, one of the promises of spiritual awakening is the ability to manage the difficulties in our life with grace. So you've talked about that in the past and in the book as moving from worry to worship. Mm. So how do these teachings help us to move from worry to worship? And why is that so important? One of the primary teachings of yoga is how to understand and deal with the mind, uh, the mental field. Um, that's where worry occurs. <laughs> worry does not come from our essential nature. It's it's always pure and still awake, aware. So you know that is our our refuge. Um, which is to, you know, learn how to take refuge in the self, which is unchanging, always peaceful, you know, always blissful, really. And uh, so because it doesn't change. So in yoga, um, through our meditation and through our contemplative practices of uh, discernment, uh, we, we learn how to detach from uh, changing conditions by recognizing that that is indeed what they are, you know, changeable. And um, it, it's not that we withdraw from the world. We just see it for what it is, um, which then allows us to engage in it, you know, more effectively. So instead of being at the effect, you know, we, we can become um, positive agents of change. Yes, absolutely. So we often talk about spiritual awakening. So can we talk about that a little bit more now. So can you define that? What is spiritual awakening and what does it look like for the average person? Not the yogi, you know, sitting in a cave <laughs> somewhere, but for us in our lives. Uh, so uh, spiritual awakening is, uh, I think the word awakening is used. It's, it's really beautiful when you think about it um, because it sort of gives us um a metaphor that um, waking up spiritually is like waking up from sleep, right? So, you know, we wake up, we go to sleep at night, we wake up and in the morning and uh, we know that there has been a change in consciousness. Mysteriously, however, you know, human beings don't think about that so much you know what I mean so people go through life and you know like everybody sleeps and you know wakes up and but you know people don't contemplate you know what is that shift in consciousness that occurs you know people spend more time worrying about you know the quality of sleep they have how am I going to get to sleep but it would be good to take a little bit of time to really think about what is the difference between the sleep state and the waking state and what happens and what makes that possible? You know, so in yoga, you know, we learn that the, the ground of our being, um, which is in a sense sometimes called the fourth state, is what remains constant while, you know, we go through these changes, the waking state, the sleep state, the, you know, the dream state, the deep sleep state, you know, all of that are changing 
uh, on this this ground of being. So when we talk about spiritual awakening, it, it, it's a metaphor, really, that, you know, what we are is always the same, but we wake up um, to um, noticing um, that which is so. So it could be, you know, thought of as similar to, you know, waking up. Um, in the morning <laughs> and becoming conscious of, uh, you know, your experience. So waking up spiritually is, is similar, but not the same. It's, it's waking up to the, to the truth of our being. Mm. And then for the average person, how does that look in the world? Well, it's pretty radical, I think. Um, although, you know, I have to say, we probably have to get over of thinking about, you know, average person and not average person with regard to spirituality. You know, Paramahansa Yogananda said, you know, who is a great soul, a great yogi, you know, and, and, and Paramahansa Ji and, you know, my guru, Roy Eugene Davis, and all those teachers in our lineage, you know, have declared, look, Every person is here in this lifetime to awaken. And Paramahansa Yogananda, who was thought of, you know, and recognized as one of those great yogis awake in this lifetime, said, the same self um, is within you that is within me. So that same potential for awakening is there. So, you know, we, we don't really think about... Um, you know, the average person, I mean, I know what you mean when you say right. that, but I, I just want to say, um, in that sense, there is no average person. There's equal opportunity, uh, spiritual awakening, equal opportunity, uh, enlightenment. Now, given that, what, what does it look like, you know, in, in what we would call perhaps ordinary life? Um, and that's pretty radical, I think, um, because it it's a change of perspective that that really does transform our life that really does change our life you know prior to spiritual awakening you know most of us are firmly entrenched in an egoic perspective um, this idea that we're separate little units um, here on our own, you know, needing to strive and compete in order to uh, get our needs met. And we're not aware that uh, we are one with the great reality, the great source of all that is, and one with life itself, one with everyone else. And so... Um, this this shift that comes with awakening has us enter into a beautiful, worshipful um, relationship with the infinite um, that that really changes how we relate to other people, how we relate to what we do in the world. Um, we sort of enter um, a flow of engagement rather than trying to you know swim up river all the time. I think. That's how it shows up for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what you've just been speaking about really brings me to what I wanted to talk about next, which is the four sutras that that you have written. That's the summary of the uh, of what we've been talking about, really. So you've described a sutra as a, a terse 
aphorism, a condensed statement that carries the depth of the philosophy being taught. And the four sutras that, well, I'll let you say them. So what are the four sutras? <laughs> you know, these um, four sutras that, you know, I just coined uh, as a way to express the ancient knowledge of Vedanta, really, the, the teachings of Vedanta. So it's nothing new. It's nothing I made up. It's just a way that I found that I could express them and students could um, commit them to memory, which is the ancient way the uh, teachings of yoga and Vedanta were offered, you know, before we had books, before we had podcasts, um, we, there was this relationship with guru and disciple and the sutra form was given as a um, mnemonic device, something you could remember that would connect you to the whole tapestry of the teaching. So in this sense, the first sutra is it is, meaning there is one reality, one absolute ultimate reality that is the source and the substance of all that is. So it is. And then the second sutra is, we are it. You know, if you, even a little bit of contemplation will lead you to that second sutra. So if there's only one, uh, only one reality, we, we cannot possibly be outside of that. You know, we're not saying there's two realities, there's this and there's that. We're saying there's one reality expressing as all that is. So uh, that means we must um, be that. And um, so we are it. And uh, that that actually means uh, it's a very promising sutra because because it is that which we are, it means not only that we can discover it, but that we will discover you know the truth of our being because the, there's an inherent urge of self-discovery uh, of that of that which we are, like soul memory that is always um, kind of rising up to um, be known and expressed. And this third sutra is that, you know, we, we forget. And so even uh, once, uh, you know, we begin on the spiritual path and we have insight, you know, we have revelation like, oh, yes, this is the way it is. That makes perfect sense. And, you know, now I know I am a spiritual being. I, I, I'm not, you know, somebody who... I'm not the body and mind that has a soul. I am the soul. Um, I am the divine self expressing through body and mind. And I am in a cooperative relationship with the infinite. I am a divine being, being of infinite potentiality. And, you know, so we see that. It makes perfect sense. And then, you know, we get stressed and uh, find ourselves thinking in ways that are not consistent with that truth of our being. You know, we start worrying, we start fretting, you know, we wonder where God is um, when we face difficulties. And so that sutra is we forget, you know, we forget, uh, even though we know uh, until we become established in that reality, which is the fourth sutra, you know, we remember. So early on in the path, you know, we tend to go through cycles of um, remembering and forgetting until um, we do become established in that uh, truth of our being. And, and the scriptures promise that ultimate awakening, um, which is enlightenment, liberation of consciousness, where we're able to live freely uh, in this world um, without falling into forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just 
<clears throat> find that such a such a beautiful beautiful uh, you know as you said sort of terse you know summary but so easy to remember it is we are it we forget we remember it's just really beautiful so um, how does this knowledge of those four sutras support us in turning from worry to worship as we begin to practice, as we develop, you know, meditation practice and we're, we're studying and, and we're having that essential ingredient of self-discipline, which means, you know, orienting our lives towards higher purpose, you know, living dharmically, as my guru would say, doing what we know we should do, you know, which is, includes just really everything in the way that we live, you know, getting enough rest, having a... Um, Sattvic diet, uh, you know, being mindful of our use of time and energy, you know, all all of these things, um, as we begin to practice, we become more awake and more aware and more able to live, um, you know, from the clear center of our being, um, open to discernment and inner guidance. We, we begin to live a life of self-referral, capital S, you know, guided by um, the divine self instead of our reactive uh, nature. So, so we're able to, to live more uh, in the flow and we're also able to notice when we're out of it. So, you know, before maybe we f- could feel out of sorts or feel that we're out of it, but we didn't necessarily know how to get back on track. But uh, with our practice and uh, with the clarity that we have of the distinction, um, we're, we're able to get back on track. And the more you practice, you know, the more we practice, the, the quicker we can recover from, you know, that cycle of forgetting and going back to remembrance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it, this would be a lovely time to talk about your idea in the book of the consciousness app. And I, I really love the way that you the way that you put that. So it's so appropriate for this day and age to think about developing our consciousness app, especially one that never needs to be, you know, the updates that all your apps have to go through periodically. And this app still works, even if your cell phone is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like this practice is very supportive of our remembering of our connection as we talked about uh, remembering the truth of who we are. So you describe this as a technique to discover our way within. So what do you mean by finding our way within? The, the basis for that is the skill of meditation. So through a consistent pre, uh, practice of meditation, we, we learn how to detach our attention and awareness from the periphery, from sensory input, and even from uh, thought activity. And we learn how to be anchored in the stillness within, in the peace uh, within. And, you know, if you meditate every day and even for a short time, you know, that imprint of touching the stillness within, um, it, 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 um, it affects mind and consciousness, you know, throughout our day. <clears throat> and so 
it isn't necessarily just the experience that you have in meditation. You know, you might find that you're sitting and your mind is chattering most of the time. But there's one little moment where you become <clears throat> just um, peaceful and still. And that moment is really an eternal moment. So its impact um, is not related to time. It's it's the it's experience of the depth of consciousness mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. you experience, and so um, that's the training ground for it in meditation. And when we meditate, I find you know um, that those moments then it's just like um, setting your thermostat or something. You know, um, those those moments then begin to show up. And during the day, moments of expanded consciousness, expanded awareness, you know, eyes open, um, fully engaged, you know, we, we begin to be able to discern the distinction between, you know, when we're um, identified with um, thought, activity, you know, emotion, and when we're... Um, detached from that, but consciously abiding in our essence of being as the conscious witness, the observer. So when I talk about the consciousness app, (laughs) I I, I talk about our ability, you know, to, we don't necessarily need a gadget for that, but, you know, we, because we have, um, (laughs) we are conscious beings itself. And so we can simply set an intention uh, to notice uh, throughout our day when we will naturally return to a meditative awareness. And we can meditate, you know, eyes open, um, you know, just being awake and aware. Um, And it's a matter of uh, attention and awareness being anchored uh, in the self versus identified with thought and emotion. Or of remembering, touching back mm-hmm. on the, you know, on the, you know, sutras that we just mm-hmm. did. You know, I, I liked how you described it on page 71. So you said, here's how to do it. First, decide, set a clear intention that you will pause for moments of mindful reflection throughout your day. Practice, pause right after you set the intention to feel what it is like. Take time to notice what it is like to be peacefully aware of your breath of the sights and sounds around you. Soften your gaze. Let your awareness expand from your center. Feel your body relax and your mind become quiet. And then the the last step after basically deciding to do it and practicing, paying attention. You will naturally be inclined to turn your attention within many times during the day. It may occur as simply an arising of mindful awareness from within or it may be prompted as a response to a sensory experience, the song of a bird, the sight of a child at play, or the beauty of a stream of car lights crossing a bridge at night. So anyway, I just, I, I really enjoyed that. You know, the way that you described it is deciding, practicing, and then paying attention. Yeah, thank you for bringing it up because it is, um, <clears throat> uh, really what it is, is understanding that 
meditation um, is not and does not have to be something separate that we do. Meditation is really a heightened uh, state of consciousness where we're abiding in that witness uh, state of awareness where we observe, you know, thought and feeling and we're anchored in our unchanging self Um, so that meditative experience can happen, as I said, whether your eyes are closed and you're sitting or whether your eyes are, you know, open and you're, you're simply being awake and aware. It has to do with, um, you know, where our awareness is anchored. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this allows us to understand that these meditative moments, um, you know, can 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 and should and will and do occur throughout our day, but they're enhanced by um, intending uh, that that will happen and being aware that it does. So you sort of let your um, morning meditation and your evening meditation seed those meditative moments throughout the day, and you know you. You can think of those as prosperity moments also because when you shift your awareness from the confining nature of thought and emotion into the infinite ground of your being, then all potential is open to you in that moment Um and it allows us to, you know, be open to greater inspiration, um, to being in the flow of being in the right place at the right time, connecting with um, people and resources that are, are necessary for the unfoldment of our um, potential. Exactly. And, and I really wanted to spend some time on that because we titled this uh, conversation, Our Wealth of Spiritual Resources. Which, you know, as we've talked about in this now, they are always present, and yet we are not, you know, tuned into them. So this practice that we've just been talking about, this sort of consciousness app, or going back to the sutras, this process of remembering, you know, it, it is, we are it, we forget, we remember. So this is the re-remember, this is a remember thing, um, I just think is so, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I tell a story in the book about... Um, and we've got about another minute. Just <laughs> Yeah, I just tell a story in the book about meeting with uh, Ila Gandhi, the granddaughter of Mahatma Gandhi, and uh, just asking her about her life and what it was like for her and time of working during apartheid. And she shared that phrase with me. She said, we were never discouraged because we had spiritual resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's lovely, really lovely. And with that, I think we've come to the end of the show. Uh, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show, and we've been discussing our wealth of spiritual resources with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien who is the founder, director, and host of the show. She's an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. Yogacharya's new book is the one we've been discussing, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. And I would I would say, yes, it's about you know prosperity, but you've tied in so many 
key teachings of the foundations of yoga that I, I really feel like it's it's an essential read, you know, for for um, even people who are experiencing prosperity in their life to really understand the teachings of yoga at a deeper level. <clears throat> Again, the book is was just released and is available on Amazon and also from Yogacharya's website, ellengraceobrien.com. If you are listening to this before November 30th and are in the San Jose area, please join Yogacharya O'Brien at her book launch, which will be tomorrow, November 30th, the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment at 7 p.m. It's going to be a, a beautiful program with not only readings from the book, but also uh, music. Uh, she'll be joined by the musicians Steve Oda, Pushpa Oda, and Michael Lewis, masters of classical Indian music. You can find out more about Yogacharya's writings on her author website, ellengraceobrien.com, and more about her teaching schedule at the CSE website, csecenter.org. Thank you, Umaji, for this really, really inspiring conversation. I look forward to continuing our conversation next week when we'll be discussing Imagine Enlightenment. Mm. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo. I, I love having these conversations with you, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this really important topic for us and how to thrive and prosper dharmically in our world today. <clears throat> so my my thanks and blessings to all the Yoga Hour listeners and subscribers. Mm. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director, Yogacharya O'Brien, who joined us today, assistant producers, Ann Hayes and Sean Smith, CSE's global media outreach manager, Holly Gray, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until our next time, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash IMDivine2022. 